Um, the other thing that we're here for is we are each here to contribute. And, and we can talk all about different ways to contribute, but each person has a way in which they are going to put a ding in the corner of the universe. And maybe your way is to raise good kids, or maybe your way is to uh, write a symphony, or maybe your way is to uh, coach someone. So, so whatever that ding in the corner of the universe is, that's yours to give. So we're here to connect, we're here to contribute, but before we can connect and contribute, we have to practice self-care. Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Tony Lloyd. Tony's a leadership development expert who helps purpose-driven business leaders to thrive in life so they can connect with others and contribute to the world. He's a former Fortune 500 executive with companies such as John Deere, Medtronic, and Buffalo Wild Wings. He has extensive experience in strategic planning, talent management, and leadership development. He's a best-selling author. He's a keynote speaker, a business coach, and a podcast host. Basically a pretty busy fellow. Tony, thanks so much for joining me today. <laughs> that's only because I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, Jackie. And that's okay. I think there's a lot of us in that place. Right, right, right. So let's start with a little bit about you. Like, What, what gave you... Um, the idea or what, what kind of turning point was there in your life that made you decide that you needed to start down a different road from the, the Fortune 500 right. executive? Yeah, I think uh, like, like many people, um, work is crazy. Right, you know, we, we we do this really bizarre thing with our lives, and and if you think about it, the way you spend your time is the way you spend your life. And uh, for uh, there was a survey done a, a couple of years ago that showed that for Americans, we spend about thirty six percent of our time either asleep or doing personal grooming, and thirty seven percent of our time in work or work related activities. So, in other words, during a work week two-thirds of our day is spent either asleep or at work. And so if the way that you spend your time is the way you spend your life, then if you want to live a life of purpose and meaning, then you have to figure out how to use that time in a way that is on purpose. So I think uh, like a lot of people, you're, you're going to meetings and you're you know, like you're taking to-dos, but you can't to-do them because you have another meeting to go to. And our days were just Build. And I was at that point where, you know, like Sunday anxiety would come get me and just say, oh, my God, you know, there's so many projects going on and all that. And, and I just, you know, my wife and I are very frugal. And so we don't spend a lot of money, which means that uh, as I climbed the corporate ladder, we got bigger and bigger bonuses. And so we would just bank those bonuses. And we came to this point where we said, look, we're not wealthy. Uh, but if we just scrimp and save and don't spend too much money, when we get to the end of our lives, we won't be eating cat food. Uh, 
So that was where we said, okay, we are thereby financially independent. I'm doing air quotes that your listeners can't see right now. You know, people here financially independent, they think that means wealthy or rich or something. It really means that if your investments go well, if you, you know, then then you could stop doing that main thing that is your livelihood and start doing other experiments that will allow you to do things that are meaningful and have purpose for you. So that, that was kind of the pivot point for me. I had a lot of frustrations. I had a lot of things that I saw within the corporate world that I wasn't loving. And so I just made this decision one day to just go out on my own. I, I guess uh, it's turned out to be a good thing for you. Going out on your own seemed to be the, uh, the right course at the right time. Right. It, it is. It's a, uh, it, it is a good course for me and for my life. And, and one of the things I'm, you know, given the state of the world today, I am incredibly sensitive to the fact that um, that sentence of going out on my own, just making the decision, I don't have to work anymore. That comes from a position of privilege, right? So I recognize that there is the struggling mom of two who just, there's no way she could just, you know, go find herself somewhere. You right, know? Right. Uh, I was, I was 55 years old and I'd been working for a long time. I'd been working since I was six years old. So <laughs> it was time for me to just, you know, find a spot and, and just land somewhere. In what you were saying, I think something that's really important that, that a lot of people don't really understand or don't internalize is the idea that everybody has a purpose and, and everybody is needed for some reason. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how we can maybe help ourselves to develop that idea that, that we are needed and we have something to give? Right, right. Um, so that, that is such a great question, Jackie. And, you know, to me, um, so, so in 2019, I had this whole um, gap year that I took where I, I I had my business running and all that, but I sort of stepped away from my business a little bit and I did a lot of self-care work because I, I felt like I hadn't done it. I'd taken all my bad work habits and I'd brought them over into my independent work habits. And uh, so I was working crazy hours and I was living on caffeine and all that. And I, it really wasn't healthy for me. So in 2019, I stepped back a little bit. And one of the big things that I worked on in 2019 was why am I here, right? What's my purpose? And, uh, and so, uh, believe it or not, for me, I answer the question, what is the purpose of my life? And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not here to claim that I know the answer for everyone else. But uh, for me, um, so first of all, we are, as humans, we are um, social animals. And, uh, and so as social animals, we were built to connect, and so one of the things about the, the purpose of my life, it's around connecting, right? So connecting with others, connecting with my higher power, connecting with nature. So to take the time to make the space to connect. Um, the other thing that we're here for is we are each here to contribute. And, and we can talk all about different ways to contribute, but each person has a way in which they are going to put a ding in the corner of the universe. And maybe your way is to raise good kids, or maybe your way is to uh, write a symphony, or maybe your way is to uh, coach someone. So, so whatever that ding in the corner of the universe is, that's yours to give. So we're here to connect, we're here to contribute, but before we can connect and contribute, we have to practice self-care. And so for me, it was... Uh, first, I had to thrive, then contribute, 
then connect because you can't pour from an empty vessel, right? right? right. So, so I think that's a, I think that was a big lesson for me in 2019. Now, uh, given that 2020 is a different animal (laughs) than than 2019 was, you know, I don't want to be too flippant about this and say, ah, you know, step away from your business, take a gap year, do whatever you want. Um, That, you know, somebody asked me what was on my bucket list the other day. And I said, going from the living room to the dining room at this point is kind of, you know, my, my idea of a, of a trip that I'm going to take in the near future. <laughs> so, um, yeah, l- let me just let you jump in. There. Oh, though that's, uh, that's really interesting. And I like the idea that I think a lot of people forget it's important to fill up your own cup. I mean, that it's, it's kind of a cliche that everybody uses and, and a, a reminder that everybody still needs is that you know even in the airplanes they say put your put your own oxygen mask on first <clears throat> if you're not right. if you're not right. full and you're not able to do something you can't help someone else so if you don't take care of yourself you've got nothing left to give right that's exactly it that's exactly it you know um as we're thinking about that ding in the corner of the universe that contribute part um you know one of the things that i do is i interview social entrepreneurs. And so these are people who are using business to do social good. Um, And these are often for-profit companies, uh, but there are basically four ways in which they make an impact. They they, uh, make a social impact by what they sell or how they sell it or who they sell it to, uh, by what they source or how they source it, by how they staff or how they share with others. Uh, and, and what was fascinating was having done several hundred of these interviews now, um, you know, I hear the same things from people again and again and again. And, and so a couple of years ago, I wrote a book about it and, uh, and, and, you know, I've done a lot of work in this area, but it's been interesting to watch those patterns emerge um, and, and if you want, I can kind of go through some of those and give you some examples of people I talked to and some stories I've heard and whatever. Um, but, but I think that what, what was most interesting to me about that is whether you're still in a corporation or if you've gone out on your own, either way, you can still say, what is the impact we're having by what we sell how we source, how we staff, and what we share as an organization. And so those are tools that every organization has, every organization uses, and they can, you can either do that within a company, or if you just can't find your spot there, then there are ways to start your own company and to go out and to do your own thing and do that selling, uh, sourcing, staffing, and sharing on your own. And I guess that the selling, sourcing, staffing, sharing, that is something that probably we should be looking at in whatever it is that we're doing to see if, you know, are we going down the right path? Are we doing things the right, right. way? <clears throat> it might be something that right. you need to need to take a look at in order to change the direction that you're going, pick a new company, do whatever it is that, that needs to be done. If you're not right. feeling aligned with whatever the company is doing. That's it. That's it. Exactly. I mean, um, think about, you know, so um, I'm assuming that the people that you and I are talking to, they still need to make a living in some way, right? We still, we have this bad habit of spending money, right? Like in eating groceries and doing things like paying mortgages, you know. I don't know why that happens. Terrible things that we do. 
it just does, doesn't it? And so that means some money needs to come in. And so, you know, the way that we spend our time is the way we spend our lives. And so uh, if work is this crazy thing that we do, then we need to find some meaning and purpose in it. Um, so if you think about like if you're in a company that is selling something that is in and of itself a harmful item, uh, so whether it's, you know, you're, you're selling, I don't know, I, I don't want to start naming things because I'll get some, uh, some industry angry at you, <laughs> right? Yeah, but but if, if the thing that you sell does harm, whether it, you know, blocks people's arteries or hurts their lungs or, you know, gets somebody hurt in some other way, then, then that cannot be part of your uh, your purpose and meaning in life, right? So, uh, but I, I talked to a company called Evernew, uh, E-V-R-N-U, Evernew, uh, and, the, uh, and the woman who runs it is named Stacy Flynn. And uh, she was in the textile industry. She was a buyer for some very large organizations. Uh, and she was taking trips overseas to see the places where they were buying things. Uh, and she found that as they were uh, sitting in the boardroom and trying to have a conversation in these locations, that the toxic fumes from the place that, they, that was making their textiles were, was overwhelming. Right. And then she began to think about, well, what happens to those textiles afterwards? And she found out that even though a lot of people say, well, you know, use clothing, I might donate it to Goodwill, et cetera, still a vast majority of those clothes, even though you donated them to an organization, they end up in a landfill. Oh, wow. And so um, she, she, she figured all this stuff out. So she and a, a coworker, they developed a way to break uh, garments down to their base um, chemicals, basically. So if it's cotton, they can break the cotton down and reuse it. If it is polyester, they can break the polyester down and reuse it. And so Evernew is this company that makes these, um, like the, the material from which textiles are made. So the threads, if you will, that can be dyed and cut and sewn and reused again and again and again. So, so she makes an impact by every time somebody buys her product, the more of it they buy, the bigger impact she has. Or um, uh, there's a, a company called Arclite, uh, A-R-Q-L-I-T-E. And what they do is they take plastic that cannot be recycled. There's just certain kinds of plastic, you just cannot recycle right. those. They take that and they make a gravel material out of it. And they put that gravel then in the place of, uh, you know, of, of mineral gravel, they put that into uh, concrete. So they take cement, they add that, they put their plastic in there. It's lighter. It's 10 times more insulating than traditional hmm. concrete. It's three times lighter. It's stronger. Um, it sheds water better, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the more of that they sell, uh, the bigger impact they have. So what they sell and how they sell it, who they sell it to, that has a massive impact. That's really interesting. <clears throat> but thinking about this from, from my listener's point of view, like, how would they, how would someone find that sort of thing? Like, I mean, those are just kind of drawn out of thin air sort of ideas that someone came yeah. up with. It's yeah, you know, it is interesting. Um, 
so I told you I wrote a book a couple of years ago and, um, you know, we took these 10 lessons learned from 150 leading social entrepreneurs. We boiled it down into this book and, um, and it was a really interesting exercise. I'd never written a book. I didn't know anything about how to write a book. Uh, and I was under a timeline to write it and it was big, you know, gun to the head kind of moment <laughs> where I just really had to get this thing done. Um, so, so we wrote this book and at the end I said, you know, I could take the entire book and I could write it on a little sticky note and I could tell you everything that I learned from all this stuff. And it's this, and it is, uh, miracles find you while you're in motion. Hmm. And the way that I, I, uh, the reason I say that is because of all these stories, what happens is it's as if there are these little moments of serendipity or synchronicity or miracles or coincidences or chance or whatever you want to, what name you want to put on it but it's like there's this cloud of these little miracles that are sort of hanging around us, but they can't see you. You can't intersect with them if you are sitting on your sofa and sitting on your hands and sitting still. It's the moment that you stand up and go into motion. That's when the resources show up. That's where the chance meeting happens. That's when, you know, you happen to be talking to somebody and, and somebody behind you says something. And you just turn around in a theater full of other people and you just go, oh, what do you do? And then, you know, business cards get exchanged and then pow, kismet, yep. right? You know, like something really cool happens. So there is something about being in motion, yeah. right? So that's that's one of the big things. And then also, you know, um, you could take an inventory to say, what are my skills? What are my gifts? What are the things that I'm really good at? The second thing is, what am I passionate about? What's the thing that I want to make a difference in in the world? And then where do those two things intersect? So um, when I was inside of corporations, I used to teach leadership development. We had a model, we call it the CMO, the competence, motivation, and organizational need. Um, and so that was your leadership sweet spot where your competence, your motivation, and the organizational need came together. Well, outside of corporations, it's kind of like your competence, um, your motivation, the thing that drives you, you the uh, need of the marketplace, plus the social impact that you want to have. When those things come together, that's right where the magic happens. That's an interesting idea or interesting thought. I like, definitely you can't do anything if you're not in motion. You've got to <clears throat> go out to experience things. And there's so many people that say, well, you know, nothing happened to me. It's like nobody came and knocked on my door and said, hey, you're going to be a millionaire now. It doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. Well, I'm waiting for well, the knock. If somebody is coming, I will definitely answer exactly. the door. But I don't think anybody's coming to my door today. And I think... Um, the second, the second idea about the, uh, the, the point where your skills or expertise and your passion intersect, I think that's something that I think a lot of people are scared of trying to figure out because it, it takes some work. It takes some effort to actually yeah. say, hey, you know, I am good at this and I, I can do this and I really care about whatever. They, they don't want to put themselves out there just in case, you know, what if it doesn't work or you know, there's always, there's always right. that fear that keeps them sitting on the sofa waiting for the knock right. on the door. Right, right. You know, I, I told you that I wrote a book last year, uh, or uh, two years ago, I guess now. And uh, I actually had written a book before that. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was really, really bad. Uh, and what happened was I was going through this course on how to write a book because somebody told me, well, you need a book 
to be a calling card. So I'm like, okay. So I'm taking this course on how to write a book. And the person said, oh, here's what you do. First of all, you know, you think about this book and what you're going to write about. And you come up with some alternative titles. And then you put that out on social media. And you go, if I were to write a book, which one of these titles do you think I should go with? You know, and then you like design a book cover. And you put that out on social media. And you go, which book cover do you think would be, you know. And so the whole time, this person who's teaching me how to write a book, it's all very public. And so every person I knew from my mother through my kids, I mean, everyone I knew, knew that I was, quote, writing a book. And I was writing and I wrote 50,000 words that eloquently described a problem and never really landed on a solution. (laughs) And and at some point I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to get there. I just feel like I'm writing this book and I just don't know where I'm going and I've written myself into a corner. And, and so now I just, it was very humiliating for me. So um, when this opportunity to write this second book came up, which I, I guess, you know, it's my first one that got published when the second opportunity to write a book came up, Lynn, my wife said to me, you will tell no one. (laughs) Nobody is going to know because she was editing the book and helping me lay it out. She was illustrating it. It's a really fascinating uh, illustrated book. A lot of fun. But she was like, nobody knows about this until this is done. And so we did. We hunkered down and we spent quite a bit of time, you know, we're, we're at home together anyway. So we just spent quite a bit of time working on this book until we got it the way we wanted it. We got an outside editor to edit for us and everything. And then we started talking about it. So, but you know what? I survived that. You know, nobody cared that I had tried to write this first book and no. that it failed. Nobody remembered that I tried to write this first book and failed. No, nobody's holding it over my head. We, we think that, you know, it's kind of like when you're young and you go to school and you've got a pimple on your face or something and you think, oh, everyone's staring at my pimple. Oh my goodness. No, no one is even looking yep. at you. <laughs> you know? And the same thing happens in our 40s, 50s, 60s that we think the whole world is like hanging on the edge of our life experience. Nobody cares. Nobody's yep. watching. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to fail because no one's really going to hold that against you. And, uh, you're not really that important to anybody else at the moment. They're all worried about themselves. That's right. That's exactly right. So this book is called Crazy Good Advice, 10 Lessons Learned from 150 Leading Social Entrepreneurs. And people can can go and find that. They can find it on Amazon. They can find it where? You know, Jackie, I, I could do one better than that. So um, they can still get it on Amazon. It's like 1995 in the US. Um, uh, but if they go to my website, TonyLoy.com, and the last name is spelled with one L, L-O-Y-D, they can get the uh, electronic version of it for free. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'll yeah. make sure that that goes in the show notes. Thank you Thanks. very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, we, um, so, so it was interesting. Um, so like you, I'm a podcaster. I had an opportunity a few years ago to, um, to do a radio program. And this came through one of those miracles find you while you're in motion. You know, my wife and I are at the theater, somebody's sitting behind us, turns out they work at a radio station. They shared my podcast with the president of the radio company. They said, oh, well, you should you should have a radio show. Wow. So, uh, so that was just a really interesting thing. But then I thought, well, I have to do a crowdfunding campaign because I need some help. I don't know how to produce a radio program, so I need some help. So I'll have to do a crowdfunding campaign. So a friend of mine who, um, who 
uh, is an expert on crowdfunding, told me, he said, you really need something unique to you, something that only you could provide um, because your friends are going to give in this crowdfunding campaign, but it's their friends. They want the spiff. They want the thing that you're going to give them. So I said, well, I've got this big blog post that's sort of getting out of hand. Uh, and so maybe I could put that into a book. And Tom, my friend, he's like, yes, yes, yes. So, so where I ended up, Jackie, was I had to write a book, which I'd never done before, in order to run a crowdfunding campaign, which I'd never done before, in order to <laughs> produce a radio program, which I'd never done before, you know, and I had wow. like, you know, uh, 60 days to get it all done. So, uh, so that's what we did. And, uh, and then as we gave the book away as a spiff uh, for just people who signed up and supported the crowdfunding campaign. And then afterwards, we had this book and it's a cool book. It's kind of fun. Uh, and we go, what do you do with the book? Well, I guess we put it up on Amazon. So we put it on Amazon and it popped and became a bestseller. Wow, that's so, great. It is, it is great, but it's kind of like, I'm sort of like the Forrest Gump of business. Like, you know, I just keep stumbling <laughs> luckily forward and good things keep happening to me. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great little book. It has 10 chapters. Each chapter is one of these 10 lessons learned from 150 leading social entrepreneurs and, and even better, it's free. So, you know, just, awesome. they could visit my website and, and get that. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So Tony, I see you've got um, connections everywhere. I see all of your uh, social media um, <laughs> contacts or information. I will make sure that all of that goes on uh, in the show notes as well. You've got a couple of uh, other things you you for your coaching practice. You do a number of different things. Is there something, anything right. that you'd like to tell people about a little bit? Um, you know, um, it's been interesting. So, I, so Jackie, I, I, you know, I don't know that much about you. I don't know how you monetize or pay for your podcast. When I first started podcasting, the thought was we're going to grow our audience and then we will start selling uh, sponsorship. And so, what I figured out pretty quickly is the numbers that sponsors want are astronomical. Yep. <laughs> and we, we have some really serious download numbers, but honestly, to try to negotiate with some of these sponsors and, and then they want you to do certain things or leave out certain things or only speak in certain ways or whatever, it, you know, it was just more than I really wanted. So um, the way that we sustain ourselves, I mean, we have our savings and investment that we live from, but then also I do coaching. So I have a company called Culture Shift Companies. And so our website is Culture Shift com c-u-l-t-u-r-e-s-h-i-f-t cultureship.com uh, and people can get free coaching on that and sign up for a 30-minute coaching session and then we can talk if they want to continue on there's a self-assessment there uh, and it's related to this idea about thriving connecting and contributing uh, and that's free of charge as well people can do that and uh, and then sign up for the coaching um, I have a couple of, I have three podcasts. I have Social Entrepreneur. I have a second one called Thrive Connect Contribute, which is about resilience in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, and then recently I launched one called Anti-Racist Voter uh, because uh, um, it, it's really about, you know, um, right now we have the pandemic of COVID-19, but we also have this racial tension pandemic that is uh, sweeping across the United States and the world, really. Uh, and I live here in the Twin Cities where George Floyd died. 
Um, and as a 61-year-old white male, uh, I was a little confused about what I should or could do. Uh, so, and I didn't want to make it about me right. because I can't center anti-racial work on me. So how do I do that? Um, and so I have spent a lot of time talking to people in the community about how to best proceed, how to um, amplify the work that is already going on, uh, and then thinking about policies uh, and the people who implement them that, that uh, break down structural racism within our system. And so, so those are my projects. I have all these different crazy things going on. And like you said, you know, it, busy it, it's a lot, it's busy, uh, but, uh, but these are the things that I'm interested in. And that's, uh, that's the whole idea of a post-retirement or beyond retirement kind of life is that you get a chance to be involved in the things that you're interested in instead of going to the thing that you have to do. Right, right. You know, I, I do think, though, there is something to be said about the way that I'm living my life today, which is this sort of portfolio life where I'm building skills and doing things that add value and that the marketplace pays for that value. And honestly, if I were talking to a young person just going into university, I would say, get your university degree, that's fantastic. And half of what you learn at university will be dated by the time you get to the end of it. Yep. So be this lifelong learner, keep on learning new skills. Uh, Google just came out with a new set of certification programs that they say, if you wanna be like IT support person, we will train you with the certification program and then help you find a job. Wow. Uh, if you want to do um, uh, project management, we will help you. You know, if you take this uh, project management certification uh, program, we're not going to worry about your degree. You are now qualified as a project manager and we could talk about that. So, so I think this idea of getting just in time skills uh, and continuing to build a body of work um, that other people can find and link to and all that. I think whether you're 20 or you're 60 or 80, I think, I think that's the way to build a career, build a life uh, moving forward. I think you're right. That's, a, that's a, a good way to do it. And that was one of the things that I was going to ask is what, what kind of thing you would suggest to, to the listeners in preparing for a life outside a a nine to five. And that's exactly what you were saying. It's just <laughs> yeah, keep learning, yeah, keep doing things. You know, if you don't mind, I'll add one more thing sure. to that. If, you know, um, so first of all, save your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, invest your money, uh, make sure that you have some money so that you then have choices. And uh, one of the things that I see uh, people doing a lot is just sort of living beyond their means. Yeah. Uh, there was a survey here in the United States a few years ago where somebody said um, they, they ended up finding that like 40% of the people they surveyed said they could not absorb a $400 shock to their system. Wow. So, yeah. um, so I'm sure that there are a lot of people right now in the middle of this pandemic who are going through more than a $400 shock. So, so, you know, saving money, being frugal, living within your means, that gives you choices then that you could then, um, you know, sustain your life. So trying to live below your means in a way that, that allows you to save a little, keeps you from spending more, lets you take that money over a longer period of time. I, you know, I'm a big fan of being frugal. So, A hard thing for a lot of people to hear. 
Where <laughs> the ones that say, oh, I want this and I want it now. I don't care. My credit card's maxed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that instant gratification yeah, well, is important. Yeah, we've all made dumb decisions, have we? I've yep. made, made a lot of them. We, you don't have enough time on your show oh. <laughs> for all the dumb decisions I've made. <laughs> oh, Tony, thank you very much. I've really appreciate, appreciated you being here. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate being here. And that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show, and leave me a rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, drop by my website, www.beyondretirement.ca, and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.